0: Thank you, Amy. And thank you for letting me beat my drum this morning. That's awesome. I invite you to turn in your Bibles to Numbers chapter 13. And really everything we've sung this morning and has really been leading up to the message that the Lord has led us to, the passage we've been studying this week and this morning, and our time with Him, as we've been following the Israelites, they heard God's voice over and over. They had God's revelation. His will given. His word given and spoken. And God had led them to where He had promised them right up to the cusp of the promised land. And they stopped right before going in, and God commanded the Israelites to send 12 spies into the land to see it and to bring back a report. He sent a search committee. And He picked 12, one from every tribe. Twelve leaders, those that the the people recognize and God recognizes were were faithful and leaders among their tribes. And they went in. And when they came back, only ten, only two of the twelve gave a good report. Ten of the twelve actually gave a a bad report. And this morning we're going to see, we have an opportunity, we're going to answer the question, what does it mean to walk by faith? Because the majority, the majority of those that had been sent into the land were not walking by faith. They were walking by fear. And if we're not careful, we can fall into the same trap, the same thing that Israel is, Israelites went through. This is the same thing, God's people, we still fall for the same things. Over and over again. But let's look with this together what it means to walk by faith in Numbers chapter 13. And this morning I'm going to focus on verses 25-33. through 33. And here God's Word says, At the end of forty days they returned from spying out the land. And they came to Moses and Aaron and to all the congregation of the people of Israel in the wilderness of Paran at Kadesh, They brought back word to them and to all the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land. And they told him, We came to the land to which you sent us. It flows with milk and honey, and this is its fruit. However, the people who dwell in the land are strong, and the cities are fortified and very large. And besides, we saw the descendants of Anak there. "...the Amalekites dwell in the land of the Negev, the Hittites, the Jebusites, and the Amorites dwell in the hill country, and the Canaanites dwell by the sea and along the Jordan." Notice the spies come back and they say, "...yes, God, you were right. It is a land flowing with milk and honey. It is awesome." These people who had been slaves and then had been wandering and in, in, they'd been in the wilderness for a year. These people that have been, been promised that they're going to have uh, vineyards and they're going to have be able, they're going to be able to plant and reap grain, meaning they're going to have uh, the land is going to be bountiful. They're going to have security in the land because they're going to be able to cultivate over years of time and produce all of these things. And they said, "Yes, it's awesome. It's great. It's God. It's everything you said, but." However, and notice what they came back with. However, the people who dwell in the land are strong and the cities are fortified and very large. Were they telling the truth there? Yep, they were still, they were still telling the truth. They were still giving the report. Yes, there were cities they, all the All of the people groups that were there, the Hittites, uh, the Amalekites, the Jebusites, the Jebusites lived in what's what we know of as Jerusalem. The Jebusites, that was their fortress, and they actually boasted that their city had never fallen. It was so well fortified. It was so uh, set up on a high ground that it had never fallen to any foe. So, you know, the Israelites, when they saw that, they, they saw a city that was in multiple cities that to them looked completely impenetrable. Then they said, we saw the descendants of Anak there. Okay, now here, the, here in this chapter, and a little bit later, they talk about Anakim and the Nephilim. Nephilim goes back to Genesis chapter three, uh, six. Genesis chapter six. These were um, in ancient times. These were men that uh, you know we we kind of look back and work. That's one of those when we get to heaven, we're going to ask the Lord. Lord, really show us the Nephilim. Can you pull up that slide or that like video and show us who these guys were? Um, The idea is that there was a little superhuman strength there, um, that either these were fallen angels or those that had sort of intermarried with angels, so there's several different, you know, theories out there. Bottom line is, these guys were super powerful, which, as you study Genesis, whatever they were, they died in the flood. They were done. They they're no more. So what, what does it mean when the spies come back and say, yeah, the people in Canaan, they were so big. Yeah, we saw the, the descendants of Anak there. We saw the Nephilim. We saw the superheroes. There's, I mean, these guys are huge. They have superpowers. What do you think was happening right there? You know what I think? This is my theory. I think they were kind of stretching the truth a little bit. I don't think they saw the Nephilim. I thought they were just so scared because the Canaanites were so big and they were so strong and so fortified. They actually kind of stretched things a little bit, really, to do what? To really show how afraid they were and how much fear they wanted to sow within the Israelites. We don't have a chance. Even if we could go in, man, there's these super powerful beings in there that there's no way we we could take them. But verse 30, the spies, the ten had a however, everything's good, however, we can't do it. But Caleb, verse 30, but Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, let us go up. Let us go up at once and occupy it, for we are well able to overcome it. They had an opportunity, they had the it was put to them. They could walk by faith or they could walk by fear. Let's pray together. Dear Lord, we come and as we read your word and as we meditate upon it, Lord, we We like to identify with the hero in this story, but many times we're not. Many times we walk out of fear. You've called us to walk out of faith. And Lord, encourage us from your word this morning. Show us how we need to overcome fear and overcome failure and overcome weakness and overcome brokenness and overcome our own sin by the power of your blood and to walk by faith and to trust you and to love you and to serve you and to follow you. Open your word to us this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. This morning I want to zero in on verse 30. I'd circle that. I'd circle that verse. I'd underline it. I'd highlight it in your Bible. Because this is the point at which everyone else was, everyone else was calling people to fear. And yet, one man here was willing to stand up. Now Joshua would stand up with him so he wasn't you know, completely alone. But he was definitely outvoted here. If they were to take a vote... He would lose. Did it matter who, was, who the majority was? Did it matter when everyone else was, was falling for fear? Who was the only word that mattered? Was it the ten spies' word that mattered? It was God's word that mattered. And so Caleb standing God's man standing on God's word speaks up and and here he gives us I think there's three things out of this verse that help us walk by faith first he says but Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said let us go up at once to walk by faith means we must go forward faith is not something that you just soak in faith and trust and you just soak it in and then you just hold on to all that you can and if a little bit of fake le- faith leaks out then you go you go to the store and buy a powerade and pour some more faith in there and hope that that doesn't leak out and if you get a leak over here then you go get some holy duct tape and tape that part up of- Faith, our, our faith and Scripture teaches, faith is a faith that is in action. It takes God's Word. It takes what He has said. It takes what He has called us to do. And then it points us in a direction. It gets us off our keister, so to speak, and gets us out. Gets us out for Him. And Caleb is saying to the people, we can't go back We can only go forward. Here, the Israelites said, as we studied in our in our small group time this morning, they said, "What would that we had died in Egypt? Would that we had died in the wilderness to then go into the promised land and get slain, and our wives and children become prey?" Wouldn't it be great if we could go back, church? We can't go back. We can't go back. We can't go go back to 10 years ago. We can't go back to 50 years ago. Guess what? We can't go back to yesterday. I don't care how strong you are. We can't go back. You can't peel back time. We can't go back. All we can do is we can go forward. The last time I I got in my car, I was going down I-20. And I-20 sometimes feels like a NASCAR race if you know what I mean you just kind of get in your lane and you hope to stay there until it's your time to get off and you hope that when you have a chance to get off that you get the right exit and the person in front of you doesn't slam on their brakes and stop or whatever you know you're just lucky to to get there some of the wives are elbowing their husbands, saying I'm just lucky to get alive to be arrive alive whenever you drive you know I know uh, how it is Amy closes her eyes when I drive but uh, we, uh, you know, we, we get out there, and I noticed the other day driving uh, in my car that I, there's, there's glass, there's windows, there's windshields in my car, and right up, right up in the center is something called a rear view mirror. Does, raise your hand if your car has one. Is yours? My dad's, I went to see my dad uh, last year, and um, he gave me his keys to his, Um, expedition and said you know run go put gas in it or whatever and I got in it and uh, you can see where the rear view mirror went but it had fallen off and I think he had tried to glue it back one time and it had fallen off again and I asked him I said you know don't you don't you need that thing and he said I'm not worried about what's behind me I'm really only worried about what's in front of me you know, our, our, our rearview mirror, it's about, it's about yay big. It's about this big. And it sits right in front of what? The wind? How big is the windshield? That thing is huge. Do you, do you think that design is there for a reason? Why? What should our focus be? When you're driving your car, What is should your focus be? Your focus should be What's ahead? Now, you have the mirrors. They're there for a reason. They're there. You should keep the past in mind. You can't forget the Israelites. They messed up when they forgot the past. They forgot the good things that God had done in the past. They forgot crossing the Red Sea. They had forgot being slaves in Egypt. They'd, they'd forgotten those things. And that's why that rearview mirror is church. We've got to keep the rearview mirror right here. This size. This size. Remembering the past, but our focus is not on the past. It's on the future. It's moving forward. It's going ahead. When we get out of balance, it's when that rearview mirror comes and it becomes gigantor, and you can't see ahead because all you're looking at is in the past. It's a sad thing, and I've, um, you know, it, it's a, it's a sad thing. You can really tell a lot about a person. You can tell a lot about a church. You can tell a lot about a business. You can tell a lot about a family. When all they want to talk about is the past. Living in the past. The past, some great things happened in the past. We wouldn't be here without the past. But God has a future for us. God has a promised land for us. God has a mission and a vision for this church to reach Camden, and for lives to be transformed. And that's not going to happen if we focus on the past. It means it's going to happen as we focus on the future and going forward. I've got another illustration for you. I think the Lord sent me. And I've got a picture of bumper cars. You love bumper cars? Man, when I went... As a kid, bumper cars, my kids are lighting up because when they went to Mimi Camp this last week, they got bumper cars, and they had the time of their life. I love bumper cars. If we set up a track in Camden, I would probably buy a membership to the bumper car track. Okay? It's so much fun. You jump right in. You don't need a driver's license, number one. You jump right in, and you hit the gas, and what do you do? you go man it's awesome and you know it's it's not always about you know you know bumper cars usually they do this they go right around in a circle but is is the point to get to the finish line when you're riding a bumper car what's the point the point is to bump into as many people as you can am i right and that's it. If you haven't bumped somebody, you have not done a proper bumper. You are, you are not an official bumper car driver. Now, some of you, some of you get out on the real road and try to play bumper cars. And so I, wanna, I just want to caution you against that. But, you know, many times in life, particularly in church life, we, we're riding in bumper cars. Each one of us, we're going somewhere, but we're not going there together and we don't have a plan. We don't know where we're going. A bumper car track is just one little circle. We feel like we're doing something and accomplishing things for God. But we get to the end of the ride and we get out. And guess how far we've gone? We've gotten out exactly where we started. Have you ever thought about that? We get out right where we started maybe we had a good time, but we bumped into people all along the way. And God has not called, has not called his people to be in bumper cars. That's biblical. That's scriptural. You can go to. But I want to give you another example. Because this is, where, this is where I believe the Lord is going with us. Where Caleb was going. That we must get up and go. We must go forward. God has not called his people to be in bumper cars, but God has called his people to get on a bullet train. I love this picture. Bullet train. Now what's the difference between a bumper car and a bullet train? In a a bullet train, we're moving. In a bumper car, you get in, you hit the gas, and you go. In In a train, it takes some time to get moving. Sometimes it's slow to get started. But guess what builds? Momentum. Instead of everyone going every different direction and just bumping into each other, guess what you're doing? You're all going the same direction. Guess what that means? That means as you're in the, char- in, in, in the bullet train, then as the church, we're all moving forward down a track that the Lord has laid out His divinely inspired word and, will which he, and plan which He has for each and every church, God's desire for, for His church is not just to, you know, hang out and have a good time and, and maybe make it be a good little social club. God's design for His church is to take His people from where they are to where He has called, called them to be, to go from the slavery and bondage to sin to being transformed, to being changed to having life and having eternal life. And he, to do that here on the train, on God's train, when we get together and we're focused together on God's purpose and God's vision and God's mission, guess who all arrives at the destination? All of God's people arrives. At no one's left behind. No one's left bruised. No one's left battered. No one is left... Right where they started. Walking by faith means we must have the courage and the faith to go forward to the Lord together. Walking by faith. Number one, we must go forward. Caleb says, number two, we must hold on to God's promises In verse 30 he says, But Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, Let us go up at once and what? Occupy it. Hold on to it. Why could he say that? Why could he say? Because he saw the same things that the other ten spies saw. He saw the big cities. He saw the fortifications. He saw the how." Big the guys were, how many soldiers they had. He he saw all that. Why could he say, let's go up, let's go forward, and occupy and hold on to it? Why? Because God had promised it. Because Caleb held on to the promises of God. This morning, I don't know what battle you're facing what fear you're facing, what insecurity you're facing, whatever it may be, whatever it is, hold on to God's promise. And hold on to God's word. I want to just encourage us with just a few few of these. There are a million promises that God has made from His word from beginning to end that we can anchor to. And I just want, I just want to share a few as, as encouragement this morning. If you're struggling... With sin in your life, or besetting sin, or temptation, or something that seems you can never seem to get victory over. I promise you, promise from God's word in 1 John 1 9, He promises the forgiveness of sins. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That's a promise from His word. That's a promise from His word that we don't have to live in fear and we don't have to live in defeat to sin we surrender our heart and surrender our life to him and confess our sin, call our sin what it is claim it before the Lord say God this is my, this is my failure I can't defeat this, this enemy on my own I can't overcome on my own, I can't do enough good things to outweigh this sin but he's promised if we confess it what does he do? forgives it and he cleanses us from all unrighteousness. Another thing, another promise from God's word. God has promised his holy spirit. His holy spirit. Ephesians chapter 1 verses 13 through 14 says, "In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, you were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of His glory. The Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity, comes in and indwells those who hear God's word and respond in faith and believe in Him. That's what we call salvation hearing God, turning from our sin, and turning to Him. And God promises not just that He would make us a better person, not just that things would go better for our life. He he says, part of me will be with you, inside of you, forever. And the Holy Spirit is the the seal and the pledge of our salvation, which means, you know, we can get like the, you know, we can kind of get like the, the Israelites sometimes who said, Well, God, you know, you told us the, you got the promised land, but, uh, you know, man, uh, you promised your salvation, but, man, I don't, I don't know. You have promised all these things, but are, are you really going to make do? And the Holy Spirit is that one. He is the one who is the, he's the down payment. He's the deposit guaranteeing that one day Christ will return and one day he will come back and one day the lion will lie down with the lamb and one day all of sin and death and hell will be done away with forever. That's a promise from God. He promises us eternal life. 1 John 2.25 And this is the promise that He made to us. Eternal life. Not just your your best life now. As if that could work in like, the Middle East or Sub-Saharan Africa or Syria or whatever right now. Your best life now. He's promised a life, an abundant life, that is beyond what we can even think or imagine in this life. A love, a joy, a peace, a forever. It's eternal. We live in a world that's on the, on the quest for eternal life on its own. Seeking to extend human life and seeking to turn off the processes within our cells and our body that, you know, make us get gray and the hair to fall out and the brain cells to slow down and stop bumping into each other like they should. Or... And yet as, as much as we learn and as much as we advance and as much as we know, we, we can't on our own cross the divide called death. Can't do it. There's only one who did. His name is Jesus. You know, we fear death. We fear death. Death is something scary, especially in our culture. We, we run from it. We do everything we can to stave off death or keep death away. Or Sometimes we try to ignore it. We don't talk about it. But death is real, and God is the only one who has promised and made provision. We don't have to fear death. We as, we as believers, we do not grieve as those who have no hope. For the, for the believer, death is simply a door from this life to the next. It's, it's not the end. It's not something to be afraid of. He's promised His presence. Hebrews thirteen five says, I will never leave you or forsake you. Think about that. Do you ever feel alone? Honestly, do you ever feel like you're the only one who knows what you're going through? Do you ever feel like, man, my dog is the only one who understands me? Some of you are nodding your head. There is one who knows. For the believer, he has promised to never leave us or forsake us. What kind of promise is that? Hello. It means it, it doesn't matter how far we, we fall it doesn't matter how, doesn't matter how dark the night, it doesn't matter how loud the chorus is doesn't matter how difficult the storm, how tall the waves, how strong the wind, He will never leave us. With God's presence comes His power. If God is with you, what what does Scripture say? If God is for us, who can what? Who can be against us? You plus God is the majority in every situation. Isn't that right? Who else do you need on your team? Right? Right? What giant can you not slay? Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? For thou art with me. David can write. I can look death square in the face because God is with me. That's a promise of God. That's a promise we can cling to no matter what we face. He has promised His peace. Philippians 4, 7. And the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. We live in a world that there is no peace. There's no peace in our world. In fact, just when you think you find a little bit of, of peace and quiet, there's somebody that comes in to rob that peace and blow it up. Right? I, I truly think, you know, I truly think it's, it's sort of like, um, uh, I know some of you aren't like this, but I know there's, uh, you know, some people can't go to sleep without the TV on. Do you know somebody like that? You've got to have some kind of noise. Y'all are looking around the room like, yeah. Like you've got to have some kind of noise. Um, I don't have to have the TV on, but in our house, we have to go buy these things called noise makers. Did you know you can buy these on Amazon? I think their, their actual design is to like purify the air. They put like a little paper filter in there and it's supposed to purify the air, so to speak. You, you turn this thing on and a little fan runs. And then we can, we can get to sleep in our house with that. And we have like three or four of these. You have to have one in each bedroom. And even the guest room has its own noisemaker for guests who need, need a little noise. We have to have a little noise. I, there's there's some people that if there's any peace, they feel like it's their mission to make some noise, right? Like we can't just have peace. We I, I got to go in there and bust up that peace. Something, do some jumping jacks, right? So in our world, man, in our time, man, we do, we there's so many noises, so much confusion going on. I, I we pretty much we had to drop. We had to drop satellite TV because it was just too much. Could not turn on any kind of news because it was just too much. There was no peace in our house. It actually just revs it up. My mom calls whenever there's a Fox News alert. A dog in Mankato, Minnesota, got behind the wheel of a tractor trailer and drove off into the median. I'm not pointing out anyone from Mankato. They're really nice people. In Mankato, some of the smartest and brightest people I know have come from Mankato. Even the even the Labradors, Retrievers drive uh, eighteen wheelers up there. But an uh, eighteen uh, dog got behind the truck of one, and my mom gets so freaked out whenever the Fox News alert comes on, and she has to call me and see what do I do? What what's going on? I'm You know, I'm scared the dogs are taking over. You know, they're driving down the the interstate. And and I said, uh, um, you know, I just have to pray with Mom. but, But God offers even in the midst of that, what does God offer? God offers His peace. I tell you, His peace is more powerful than any pill any doctor can prescribe. I tell you, I... I've had some of those days, I've, I've, uh, I've looked at Mark and I've said, Mark, can you drive me down to Terrell and let me get something? And he just looks at me and he just grins and he says yes, but he doesn't mean it. He doesn't mean it. Because he knows I don't need that. We need the peace of the Lord. That passes all understanding. Hum- that's translation. Man can't describe this type of peace that God only God offers. And finally, it's related to His peace. Peace that passes all understanding. God promises His joy. Psalm 1611 says, You make known to me the path of life, and in your presence there is what? Fullness of joy. Fullness of joy. You know there's some people that are that are happy that's based on their circumstance. some people you know if uh, you know if you get if you get eight hours of sleep and your coffee works just right and you know or you go through the McDonald's drive through and you get to be the first one and they get your order right the first time and you know you get everything or like for us, if we go through Chick-fil-A and we actually get the number of ketchup packets that we've asked for, you know, uh, or straws. But, you know, a lot of times we, we base our lives on all these, like, little things. So long as everything goes right, and I, I, so long as I get everything that, that I want, then I'll, then I'll be happy. Well, how's that working out for you? How does life actually work? Do we get everything we want? And even when we do, does that really make us happy? I mean, even if we got everything we want. I mean, think about this morning. If you could write down on a sheet of paper everything I want right now. The kids, man, they're like, really? My kids are right on the front. They're like, they're excited. Uh, perfect job, perfect house, perfect bank account, maybe new boss maybe no boss, maybe, you know, a palm tree, uh, you know, whatever. You could write everything out that you wanted. Imagine you did that, and God gave it to you. And I'm not Joel Osteen up here telling you to do this. Would Would you have joy then? Who is our joy? Where is true joy to be found? True joy is not found in stuff or things. Those are technical terms, stuff or things. True joy is not found in always getting our way. Joy is found in a person, and not just any person. Joy is found in the Lord and Him alone. He alone is the source of true joy. He alone is the object of true joy. It's all about Him. Is it not? When we, get, when we grasp that joy is not a state of being or a state of mind or having the right things or the things go our way, but joy is in Christ, He will never disappoint us. Why? Because He never lets go of us. His love never stops. His love never fails. He loved us before we were born. He loved us before the foundation of the world. He loves us now in spite of ourselves. And He loves us through eternity. What do we lack? All we lack is Him. Caleb understood. He understood that God had spoken. And spoken and promised to the people, that they could go in and take the promised land. And Caleb remembered that every other time that God had spoken, he did exactly what he said. And Caleb remembered that every other time, when they got afraid, that God showed up in might and power. And Caleb knew That even though the land was big, even though the enemies were large, even though it did not look like they had a chance, he held on to the promise of God. Let us go up. Let us go forward. We can obtain it. Verse 30. For we are well able to overcome it. Walking by faith is not just getting up and going, because that's part of it. We've got to get up and go. Okay? We've got to go forward. It's holding on to God's Word and God's promises to never leave us or forsake us, to always be there for us. And then understanding that we can do it. We must go forward not by our might or our strength or our power, because that's not what Caleb was basing his decision on. Caleb wasn't basing his decision on going up on their strength and their might on their power because he did the pros and cons. And the pros and cons list said pro, really good food, con, we all die. Apart from God. Because walking by faith means that we are able by God's power. We are able by God's power. Caleb could walk by faith. He could call the people to walk by faith. Because his faith and trust was in God's promise and God's strength. You know, our God is not a God who just says, okay, pipe dream, let's go do something. Y'all figure it out. He didn't say, I'm going to give you this land. Well, I mean, you mean. Kind of. I mean, you get to go up there, but you've got to figure out how you got to do it. Our God is a God who is able to say to the Israelites, go in and take the land, and He is able to make the enemies run and hide in fear. He is able to waylace. He is able to pave the way. He alone can do it. This is the same God who allowed the Israelites to cross the Red Sea. This is the same God who raises the dead. Don't you think God has the power? But many times we limit God in His own power. We say the same things that the, the Israelites said. Well, yes, God, it's awesome. You have a plan for my life. You have a plan for our church. You have a plan for our community. But don't you know? There's no way we can do it. And you know, there's some truth to that statement. Because there is no way we can do it on our own. Matthew 19, 26, Jesus looked at His disciples and said, with man this is impossible, but with God what? All things are possible. Is there any limit to God's power? Philippians 4, 13, we can do all things through Christ Christ. He strengthens us. Is there any limit to God's power? Is there? No, there's not. So church, as we come to the conclusion, we see this. The Israelites stood at a deciding point in the the nation's history. Pivotal point. God had led them to the promised land they went and they saw and they came back and gave a report and they had the opportunity okay are we going to walk by faith or are we going to walk by fear and in the midst of overwhelming odds they actually like picked up stones to kill Moses and Aaron and Joshua okay, like kill these guys no, we're going back. We're not going in. We're going back to Egypt. We're going to kill you and leave your dead bodies here, right here in the wilderness. We're going back. Caleb stood up and issued the challenge and issued the call. It's like the people had the opportunity to hear and respond to the word of the Lord. There's two results from this. What did the people choose? How did they vote? Got real quiet in here. They voted and said, We're not going. We're not going, and you can't make us. What was the result? The result from that one decision was 40 years in the wilderness and a whole generation died. A whole generation. A whole generation died in the wilderness. Who were the only ones that got to set foot in the promised land? The two men, not even Moses and Aaron, got to go in. Caleb and Joshua got to see the promised land. Here's the result for Caleb. Caleb stood on God's word, even in the midst of opposition. He followed God. He was called... His name means... Um, here's, here's a good one. Caleb's name means dog. This is from the Hebrew word for dog, which could mean a good or a bad thing. Depending on if you're a good dog or a bad dog. But his name means the good side, which means faithful and loyal. And Caleb is actually called faithful and loyal servant of the Lord, a designation that's only given to King David outside of Scripture within Scripture. How awesome is that? He actually surpasses Moses in this, in this test in his life. Each one of us faces the same test, the same choice. No matter the voices going on around us, no matter what the world is telling us, no matter what, sometimes our heart tells us because our heart is wicked and deceitful. No matter what our emotions tell us if we, or get ruled by fear or whatever, whatever the enemy tries to use. And he, he, knows, he knows what each weakness is for each one of us. And that's the button he's going to push for you is your weakness, not my weakness. He's going to push your weakness on you. And we can walk by that or we can walk by faith and follow the Lord now. I just want to, challenge. I want to challenge you guys. I want to challenge each person here. I want to challenge our church. We have a decision to make. And that decision means are we going to live in the past? Are we going to walk by fear? Are we going to step out together and follow the Lord and listen to Him? and find our joy in Him, and our peace in Him, and our strength in Him, because our hope is in Him. That's our choice. Let's stand together as we respond to the Lord this morning. God, we thank You so much that You have spoken through Your Word. And You are such a loving God. You do not leave us on our own. You do not leave us to ourselves. But you You are doing a work inside of us. And Lord, You have You have called us and You've placed us on mission for You. Lord, there's there's distractions in this world and there's distractions in our own lives and there's ways in which the enemy tries to beat us down and Lord, to, to keep us off of Your plan for our life. Lord, I pray today in this time of invitation, Lord, that we would surrender our fears to You and we'd be willing to step out in faith for you, whatever you were calling us to do, wherever you were calling us to go, Lord, to follow you with all of our heart and soul and mind and strength. In your name we pray and we give this time to you. Amen. Pastor Mark, would you come and lead us this time of invitation as we respond?